There's an election coming this weekend. I hope everyone's going to vote. You're all going to vote, aren't you? Well, three of you. I hope you do better than that. You know if you don't vote, you're not allowed to have an opinion for the next three years, and you're certainly not allowed to complain. Hey, that's how it works. You've got to vote. Make the most of the opportunity. Father, we declare your blessing over the country and your hand on the elections in Jesus' name that we will find ourselves with godly people in the government, people who love you, people who serve you, that our country will be a country after your own heart in the future, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you. I just got back from Indonesia. I was there this week and um, had the great privilege of spending a few days with Robin Ria Gamerik. And, um, you know, that's a partnership that we've had as a church for about 30 years now. And um, well before my time. In fact, I think that started before Jan and I even shifted to Christchurch before we ever came back. And, um, you know, they're so grateful that as a church we've been faithful to what we said we'd do for, for that length of time. We've been consistent all the way through. And um, back in the day, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it happened because when you talk to it, it's kind of almost mythical status of how um, the team here actually chose the unreached people group that we wanted to sow into for, for many years. And, um, and we've been doing that now for, for, like I said, over 30 years. And uh, there's been moments where the work's been really easy and there's been moments where the work's been really tough. And probably at the moment it's fair to say that it's, uh, it's fairly slow moving, it's tough, but it's still happening. There's a team on the ground, um, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going into that place, and, uh, and not only have we been faithful to what we said, but they've been faithful to what they said they would do. And uh, they've got teams there sharing the gospel with people, and it's, it's really encouraging. So I encourage you, when you sow into Global Legacy, uh, we're making a difference over there. One of the things that was most encouraging, inspiring, I think, uh, to me was they had young people in the school. Uh, they've got a school base, um, so sort of teenagers, early 20s, most of them. And, and these guys come from all over Indonesia. A lot of them can't read and write because they don't actually have the ability to, to go to school like we would or anything else on the islands they're from. I didn't realise there's like 5,000 islands in Indonesia. That's a lot of islands. Way more than that. There you go. There's more than that. I'm on 30, maybe it's 5,000 languages then. I've got my facts. Anyway, there's lots of languages. And, um, and, and the government don't even know which, which islands are populated or not half the time. They don't know which languages are spoken on these islands or not. So they have these students come into their school and they, because they, they can't read and write sort of in the normal way um, that we would, they teach them the stories of the Bible. They're oral learners, and they memorize the stories of the Bible. And, and I should have taken a photo, I never did, but they draw little cartoons of, of how they can explain the story to help remind them of how the story goes. And, they, and then they tell the story. And I was sitting at the table uh, for a meal, and what they do is they retell the stories over the meals. And um, this, this one young man, they said, tell us the story you learned this morning. And we'd learned the story of... Um, Jesus' birth and, and the angel coming to Mary. And so this young man is from an island where Indonesian isn't even his mother tongue. He's had to brush up on his Indonesian to be in the school. And so anyway, he tells the story of the birth of Jesus in Indonesian. 
and, and he did a, I'm assuming he did a good job because we clapped. And then, I don't know, but then Rhea said to, to the young man, he said, do, do you think you could tell us that story now in your mother tongue, your heart language? And he said, I think I could. And he started to tell the story and his face just lit up and his eyes sparkled because it was now, it's heart language now. And, and uh, it was so, just watching the transformation on his face was absolutely amazing. And so what, what they're doing is they're teaching these young men and ladies to, um, to tell all these stories, all the Bible stories. There's like 30 stories plus, plus other things. And then to be able to tell them in their heart language, then they go back to where there's, you know, there's been no Bible or anything else there. It's not even been the gospel in their heart language. And they get to share in their heart language to these people. And so when you're giving to global mission, that's what you're giving to. That's what we're sowing into. Rob and Rhea, the, the, the missionaries that we've supported for 30 years, they, they don't actually receive any of our funding for themselves now. They've, um, Rob's dad passed away recently, and, and it turns out he was a very wealthy man. And um, so, so they're, they're all good for the rest of their lives. So everything that we're giving goes into the mission, goes into the mission and what God's doing. So I encourage you to keep sowing in. It was very, um, not, not only has it been a, a great relationship for the last 30 years, I think there's going to be some really good things come out of it in the future. And so it was really quite special to be with them. So still standing, even with crutches, still standing. For Kaidoa is a Tereo word that I really like, for Kaidoa, and it means to stand firm, but what I really like about the word is it, it doesn't mean just to stand firm, it means to stand firm together as well, which is great, and support one another in that. And uh, that's part of what standing firm is, isn't it? So if you've got your Bibles, hope you have on device or pages or whatever, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through to 27, and we shall read. Got you turning there, I should turn there myself. Here we go. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, this is Jesus talking, of course. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to the teaching and follows it as wise, to my teaching, sorry, and follows it as wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood water comes, uh, might rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. It's funny, eh? We build all our houses on sand these days, I think. Anyway, that's by the by. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. It's a powerful scripture. And I love verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So, so we're basically at the end of the Beatitudes, Jesus has just done this wonderful sermon, long sermon, teaching all the way, teaching, teaching, teaching. He gets to the very end of it here, and this is the last couple of paragraphs. And then he says, hey, guys, if you're smart, you'll listen to my teaching, and you'll build on that rock. If you're not so clever, you won't. 
That's what he's saying. It's it's a very direct passage, and essentially he's giving us the keys to ensure that at the end of the time, at the end of the journey, we're still standing. We don't get taken out along the way. We're strong. We're strong in our faith. We're strong in our relationship. That's his purpose here. So he's saying, come on, listen to me, and make sure you put it into practice, because the goal is we'll still be standing. That's the goal. The goal isn't that any of us are going to arrive at heaven in a stretcher. You know, we'll arrive dead, actually, but um, no, we won't. We'll be like, you know what I mean, eh? We've just got to transition our way through. But, um, but, but that we'll arrive still standing strong in our faith and, and on fire for Jesus. It's, it's not his desire that any of us limp over the line or get taken out in the journey. So he's giving us instructions here. Now, this passage is actually very directive and it's very straight. So I'm going to be very straight today. So put your seatbelts on. And, and, and no, if I offend you, Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said it. So kind of suck it up and, um, and, and it'll be okay. But, but listen to what Jesus is saying in here to us and then take it on and, and let's do something with it because he's giving us really, really powerful instructions here. I've got some pictures on the screen for you. What is that? Oh, it could be a little bit more general. I know it's a car. A Ferrari. But is it? This is a Ferrari. Is this a Ferrari? Oh, they made it look like a Ferrari, but it's actually not a Ferrari. It's a kit car, a transformer. (laughs) It's a kit car. It's a replica. It's a fake. It's a fake. You probably, you know, that one's probably easier to purchase than that one. Uh, Let's go to the next picture. Which one of these is a fake? The one on the left. (laughs) The one on the left is the original. I didn't buy either of them. But it's green. See, it's got green, so of course it's original. You shouldn't even have to ask that question. What about the next picture? I looked at this one for ages. This got me. I looked and looked and looked. Which one's the original? Because one of them's a fake. Oh, someone knows their watches. There's probably like a, a 40,000 difference between the price, by the way. The one on the your right is the original. The one on your right is the original. Next picture. One of these cars is worth $20 million and one of them is not. Which one is the genuine article? The right? The one on the right is a genuine article? Actually, you're wrong. The one on the left is worth $20 million. The one on the right is a BMW Z3 with a kit on it. I don't know what it's worth. Maybe 30000 But it's certainly not $20 million. Sometimes it's really, really hard to tell the difference between a fake and the real deal. 
Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. They may look the same. Can I, can I be super direct with you this morning? Is that all right? I'm going to be, so you should say yes. It just, you know. My question, are you a fake or are you the real deal? Are you a fake or are you a real deal? Because they might both look the same on the outside. God's interested in way more than looks. Way more than looks. Yeah, some of us are saying just as well. Way more than looks. Are you a fake or are you the real deal? The answer is actually in the text. The real deal is obedient to the Father's will and are those that he knows. Obedient to the Father's will and those that he knows. See, if we're not obedient to the Father's will, the Bible uses, uh, uh, in, in the English and some translations, the word lawless. It means we're lawless or we're breaking the law, which according to this passage would make us illegal immigrants or who are not going to get residency or citizenship at the end of the day. Because whilst we might have looked the part, we weren't the part. This, this is a serious passage I read it at face value first if you don't you know you read it you go, oh that's yeah okay and then I read it a bit more and I read where it is in the context and I go oh my goodness actually this is Jesus being super direct and putting it on the line and saying to us come on who are you you going to play the game or are you the real deal now I can say this to us as a church because this is this is Jesus encouraging his disciples to be who he's called them to be. So, so he's not pulling any punches here. He's just saying, come on, wake up everybody. This is not a game. So let's, let's and, and remember his goal is at the end of it, we're still standing. That's why he's saying, he's not saying it just to be direct for direct sake. He's saying it so that at the end, we're still standing. We're standing firm. We're strong. We're doing what he wants us to do. That's why he's saying it. So I've spoken on the phrase before, um, you know, I never knew you. Uh, it's a powerful and it's a sobering phrase because I'd always read it as I, me, never knew you, God, but that's not what it says, is it? It's saying I, Jesus, never knew me. I, Jesus, never knew me. And the revelation of this has impacted me pretty deeply. That The whole, really it's at the absolute core of our relationship and our faith with him is this two-way relationship. And he's pointing it out so clearly that it's not just about knowing him. He wants to know us. He knows you anyway. And he knows you know, about you, but he wants to be invited into, into. He knocks on the door, anyone who opens the door. So he wants to come in. He wants to know us. He wants us to know him. He doesn't want... He knows what's in the grey corners of the room anyway, but he wants us to be able to talk about those things. That's what relationship's about. He wants to be able to, us to go on that journey with him. 
It's, it's an amazing thing. So I've, I've got a few thoughts about that. The first one is this. There's a big difference between knowing someone and knowing of someone. I know of King Charles. He's the king of England. He's married to Camilla. He's got a couple of sons. Uh, he's got grandkids. I know of him, but I don't know who he is. But I know of him. Uh, Paula Southgate, our mayor. I know of her. I've had the privilege to sit down and talk with her, but I don't know her. I know of her. But my wife, I know. I, I know all about Jan. I know the way she thinks. I know, I know who she is. I know what her dreams are. I know what her hopes are. I know what her disappointments are. I know where she wins. I know where she struggles. Um, you know, so, uh, I know that because we have personal relationship. It doesn't mean a bit of roses all the time, does it? Personal relationship's a bit of rub from time to time and taking the sharp corners off one another. But, but we, know, we know that about, I know that about her. She knows that about me. We, we know each other. Even, you know, biblically the word that's there, I, didn't knew, um, I never knew you, the word knew there, when you unpack that word, it's talking about the biblical knowing, which is talking about sexual intimacy. There is no closer relationship for people. It's talking about knowing. Jesus said, I did not know you. But he wants to know us. He wants us to invite him in. Not just know of us or us know of him. Never knew me, uh, never knew you signifies no genuine personal relationship despite religious activity. I'm in church. I know Jesus. I'm in church. No, no. The truth of the matter is you're in church. That's great, by the way. But that's what it means. What's the deep meaning of being in church? You're in church. Let's just unpack that for a minute. It's, it's got, there is a deeper meaning of being in church than that, but for the sake of this. You know, I never knew you. I never knew you. Question, does he know you? Uncomfortable questions, eh? Second thought would be don't focus on looking the part and end up being a replica or a fake. Don't focus on looking the part and end up being a replica or a flake. See, the world we live in is all about the look, the brand, the image, the influence, the show. But the kingdom of God operates on completely different principles, completely different values. And Jesus isn't looking for image and he isn't looking for perfect. You were made perfect by his sacrifice on the cross. Justification is the theological word for that. Just as if I'd never sinned. You were made perfect perfect and now you're on this journey of sanctification that's all part of the journey but he's he's not primarily looking for your image or your perfection he's looking for genuine faith he's looking for genuine obedience he's looking for genuine relationship you know sometimes people say oh i i can't hear god i'm asking god he's not telling me what i need to do maybe just back up the train and ask what he told you to do and then ask yourself the question, did you do it? Were you obedient? Maybe the answer's there for you. So he's not into superficial religiosity. And here's the deal. They can both look the same. The only person that knows the difference about whether you're being uh, religious or superficial or genuine is you. The only person that knows that about me, at the end of the day, Oh, no, that's not quite right, is it? It's me and Jesus. 
It's me and Jesus. It's you and Jesus for you. You're the only one. No one's gonna. Uh, uh, no one else can point a finger at you and say you, you know, because often they look very, very similar, replicas and fakes. But only one of them is a genuine article. Third thought would be um, grow authentic faith. There is an impressive list of activities in that scripture. You know, prophesy, casting out demons, miracles. Yet, if you go to the Book of Mark. Chapter 16, verse 17, it says, These miracles, miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in the name, in my name, and they will speak in new tongues or new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes and say, uh, with safety and drink anything poisonous. Won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and the sick will be healed. So, so this list that looks impressive here at the end is not actually that impressive. It's just basic discipleship. It's what Christians do. Prophesy, cast out demons and miracles. Even that's challenging enough. Prophesy, cast out demons and miracles. But he's asking for authentic faith, which is about knowing and being known. Known, knowing, and being known on a personal level, not just a list. I got up, I was at church today, tick. I got up, I read some Bible, tick. I got up, I did whatever I did. Activity, tick. No, he actually wants to know you. He wants to know me. He wants to be invited into the, every part of our, our lives, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. He wants to be in, invited into all those secret thoughts that really just aren't that healthy because he can change that stuff. He wants to be... He, 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 we fool ourselves by thinking he doesn't know what's going on. Now, I won't talk about it. I won't pray about that. Maybe that way he won't find out about it. He knows. He just wants to be invited into it. I mean, he's all-knowing. He knows. He just wants to be invited into it. But only you can do that. Only I can do that. I never knew you. There is... What it requires is obedience on our behalf, a real willingness to do what he's teaching us, what he teaches us in the scripture, because that'll transfer into action and it'll also transform our heart over time. It's simply doing what he tells us to do. My, my fourth thought would be this. Um, I tried to come up with a flash title. I didn't have one. I just wrote judgment. <clears throat> because it's a really serious directive that he's given us and he's giving us. I, do, I, I think there's, there's way too many people, Christians, are making hamburgers that Jesus never ordered. Wow. <laughs> hey. There, there's, there's just, it, it's happening. It happens. Well, he asked us to do that, but I don't want to do that, so I'll do this. He's like, why is he not blessing this? Well, maybe he never asked for that. Maybe that's not what he asked. So we spend all of our lives making these hamburgers, which he never ordered. And then go, oh, why doesn't he like this? Doesn't he like this? No, actually, he never asked for this hamburger. He asked us two things in this passage. He asked us to be obedient, and he asked us to know him and be known by him. What kind of hamburgers are we making? See, at the end of the day, our claims mean very little if there's no obedience, if there's no personal, genuine, two-way 
relationship with Jesus because that's what he wants. We can claim to do this, that, and the other thing, but it really doesn't matter. Does Jesus know you? If you've got personal interaction happening with him all the time, is your life an open book with him? Are you, be- are you obediently following him? Or, sorry, I'm going to be really straight again, are you a fake? Are you a replica? You look like the real deal. But you came off some market somewhere. I smile because I had to prepare this, and it's talked to me, and I've had time to wrestle with it. You're just hearing it now, but I've had time to re- wrestle with it, and, and, and it's, it's so tricky, because it's, it's, here's the deal. We, we forget that this life, we're actually in a battle. That's what Ephesians 6 tells us. We're in a battle. It's not against people. It's against power, spirit, uh, principalities, spiritual powers. We're in a battle. We're not just, just it's not, we're not going to cruise um, through without any opposition. We have an adversary called the devil and his army, and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy, according to John chapter 10. He's not subtle. He's not blatant. He, he just wants to take you out. He, he wants you to get wherever you're going in a stretcher, better off dead. He wants you to know a lost eternity. That's all he wants. You are created in the image of God, which just really ticks him off. You tick him off. Not only are you created in God's image, but if you're in relationship with God, you really tick him off. And he just wants to change that. So his whole goal is to kill, steal, and destroy your family. Kill, steal, and destroy your life. Kill, steal, and destroy your future. That's all he wants. But we forget that. So we get sucked into his strategies. John 8, 44, he is the father of lies. He is a liar, and he is the father of lies. So we just plant these subtle little lies in our lives that then grow and we just end up in the completely wrong place. And he's, he's going, sweet. He's going, if, you, if he can get you to live your, your apathetic life, he's really happy. Because an apathetic life, we can just wander through, nothing matters, it'll all be okay, nothing, it'll work out at the end of the day. No, it's not true. But if he can get us to buy into that, great. Not what Jesus said. Jesus said, be obedient and invite me into your world. If he can get us to live a religious life, it just ticks the boxes, goes through the the form without the heart. He's, He's doing good at killing, stealing, and destroying your world. If he can get us to live a lukewarm life, and think it's okay, oh, I'm in a bit in, a bit out, I've got a foot on each side of the defense, it'll be okay, it'll work out at the end of the day. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know, yeah, God's good, that's good, but I'm not going to, I'm really not going to give myself to the purposes of God or the things of God, it'll be okay. It's, but I, I don't know about you, I've learned that if I live lukewarm or if I stand on the fence, sooner or later I'm going to do myself a great injustice. And the devil's quite happy to leave, let us just walk that path, more than happy. Because you just feel like it's all okay until it's not. Play the game, it's okay. Think or believe there's no consequence. But it's a lie because there is consequence. That's what he's telling us. There is consequence. Not only is there consequence in our life now, but there's consequence eternally. We're in a battle. It matters. And he's given us the strategies here. Come on, be obedient to what I've asked you to do and make sure that I know you. And you know me as well. See, we were born for purpose. 
You're not born just to drift through life. You're born for purpose. God has a plan and a purpose, Scripture tells us, for our lives. And they're good. They're good. We're born for purpose. We've got to discover that purpose, what it is, but we're born for purpose. We're born for relationship. We're born to live a sold-out, devoted life to God, with God, because that's what eternity looks like. We might have painted a bit of an interesting picture around what that looks like, but it doesn't change the purpose that that's what we're born for. Right from the beginning of time, we were created to be in relationship with him. We were created for him. And we were created to work with him and for him and to know him and to live forever in that environment. So anything else is to be fooled. And I think what he's saying to us here is don't be fooled. Don't be fooled with anything else. Don't don't just cruise through. Give it your absolutely your best shot. Give yourself to what he's calling us to do. Give ourselves fully to knowing him because know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who's, who's the truth? Jesus. Yeah. See, see, truth is a relationship. I never knew you. Truth is a relationship because truth is a person and that person's name is Jesus. So he's saying, I, I think this is absolutely critical in the time that we're living as he's saying, to his church, come on church, this is about relationship. Yeah. Come on church, don't, don't keep me at arm's length, come in. This is about intimate relationship. Every day, every moment of every day. Of course, intimate relationship. I want to please Jen, I want to be obedient to my wife because I love her and I know her, I have relationship with her. It's not, most of the time, it's not a problem for me to be obedient. <laughs> Sometimes it is. But that's just an example. It's different with Jesus. Praise the Lord. (laughs) To be found still standing, we've got to do it God's way. And we've got to do it God's way as given to us by Jesus. As given by Jesus. And here's the deal. You're up to it. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have given those instructions. He's not cruel. To be clear is to be kind. To be unclear is to be unkind. I think here Jesus has been really kind. He's saying, come on guys, this is what you need to do. It's all about obedience. It's all about knowing me. So if I was to summarize, I'd say there's a big difference between knowing someone and knowing of someone. Don't focus on looking the part and ending up being a replica or a fake. Grow authentic faith which comes out of relationship. Grow authentic faith. And judgment is real. The the phrase I never knew you is is a profound reminder that genuine faith is not just about external religious activity. It's a profound reminder of that. It's a deep, or it's about a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Uh, the passage also, I think, it encourages us to embrace uh, the caution about potential counterfeit faith. We know the truth, we'll see the counterfeit. If we don't know the truth, we'll get sucked into the counterfeit. 
We've got to embrace authentic discipleship.